Our uh, scripture this morning uh, is also from the Psalms. Psalm 107, if you'd like to follow along in your Red Pew Bible, it's on page 432. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the deserted wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out to the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord and his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their pearl, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased. And he did not let their herds diminish. Then 
their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them to wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Yes, that was a long psalm. I recognize that. But I think what we'll see is it's a very important psalm. This is Thanksgiving weekend, as you all know, and probably some of you did what a lot of families do on Thanksgiving, which is they try to figure out a time to actually give thanks. Right? Amongst the eating and the football, we should give time to give thanks. And some families do that by going around the table and taking a moment for each person to just say, what's one thing that you're thankful for? Whenever my family does that, I have a confession. The first thing that comes to my mind is not things I'm thankful for, but all the things in my life and other people's lives that I'm actually not thankful for. And I think, how am I supposed to give thanks in a world where this is happening to this person and that is happening to that person? For example, how am I supposed to give thanks in a world where my mom has been struggling with chronic pain over the last eight years? And how is she supposed to give thanks? How am I supposed to give thanks in a world where there are fires in California and they keep finding people that have died from it? And I know this is like a predisposition I have. You're thinking, wow, I'm glad I'm not in your head, Dave. But... I think it's hard for a lot of people to truly become a thankful people when there's so many things in our world that we're just not thankful for. And this is an issue because we're not just called to be thankful Americans on Thanksgiving. We're called to be thankful people, as we just heard a number of times in Psalm 107 and throughout Scripture. We're to be a thankful people. But how do we do that given this predisposition in many of us that I mentioned? And and more than that, the world in which we live, where we have a 24-7 news cycle, where every day we're being told new reasons not to be thankful because of things happening in the world. And we live in an age of social media where I have the chance to tell you about all the things I'm not thankful for and all the things I'm frustrated about to more people at one time than ever before in history. It's hard with all those forces, let alone my own struggles, to be a thankful person, and it's hard for us as Christians to be a thankful people. So how do we do it? Because it is something, as we saw over and over again in that psalm Rich just read, it's something we're called to. We're going to see that Psalm 107 gives us a sense of how to become a thankful people. But before we kind of reflect on that psalm, I want to just give you a little bit of a background of the psalm so we know kind of why it's written, who it's written to. Psalm 107 is the first Psalm in the fifth book of the Psalms. There's five books in the Psalms. And it consciously fits with, parallels, the fifth book of the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. And one of the significant ways that it parallels it, those two books parallel each other, is that Deuteronomy was written to the people of Israel right before they were entering into the promised land. And they were told, remember all the things God has done for you. Keep coming back to those things to prepare you for how to live now. 
And in the psalm we just read, it's written, as you see in verse 3, to those who've been gathered from the lands, for those who are coming out of exile, a later time in Israel's history. And they're being told before they come back into the land that they are to remember all the ways God has acted in their lives to help prepare them for how to live now. Now, as John Walton says, the Bible isn't written always to us, but it is written for us. We're not the Israelites about to enter the promised land. We're not the Israelites coming back from exile. But we are Christians who are still called to be a thankful people, just as they were called. We know that why to do it. I mean, it says each time that we're told to be thankful in that psalm because God loves us and because he's acted in our lives. The question is, how do we do it? Especially given our own tendencies and the world in which we live. How do we become a thankful people? Well, I think this psalm gives us three different ways, and they're kind of, they fit together. Three different ways to become a thankful person and for us to be a thankful people. First, we need to remember our story. Second, we need to repeatedly thank God for our story. And third, we're to tell our story. First, remember our story. Why are we supposed to remember our story? Well, if we're to thank God for the things he's done for us, it's probably important that we remember the very things that he's done for us, right? Um, It's not always easy to do, but it's worth recalling how has God acted in our lives? What are the things he's done for us that we need to recall? This psalm gives us clues as to how to go about that process of remembering. And what it does is, what you just read across those 43 verses, there are four different stories, four different stories told of the way God has been involved in different people's lives. And each of those stories follows a particular pattern. It's kind of like a cycle. You may have noticed it. We have a struggle. We cry out to God amidst that struggle. God delivers us, acts in the midst of that struggle. And then we're called to thank him for it. That's kind of the cycle that we saw. And each of these different stories has a different theme What you'll notice is the point in reading these stories isn't to say, oh, that happened in this book of the Bible. That happened in this book of the Bible. It's written these stories in in an intentionally vague, almost general way, because the point isn't for you to find out when their stories happened. The point is to say, how does my story resonate with theirs? How has God acted in my own life? So in these stories, the first story was the story of those who've been displaced, kind of living without a home, living without an identity, just wandering through life. The second story are those who've just been imprisoned, whether in a literal prison or imprisoned by experiences in life, sometimes brought about by their own own decisions that they felt they just can't get out of. Maybe it's a harmful habit or an addiction in our own context. The third is the story of the regretful. Those who've sensed that they've done things in their lives And those things have come back to bite them and they feel like they can't get over them. They just have so much regret in their life. And finally, there's the story of the storm tossed. Those who've been in literal storms or figuratively, those who've just been in the storms of life, as it says in the scripture, they come to their wits end, don't know how to deal with this storm. Maybe it's been a loss. Maybe it's been a diagnosis. And in each of these stories, there's a familiar pattern. People cry out. And God acts. And it's a chance to give thanks. Now, as I say that, you might think that there's a couple struggles. First, you might think, I don't know what my story is. 
I don't have a story that I can put this nice little label on. Like my story is the story of the storm tossed or the story of the prisoner. I don't know what my story is. Well, if that's you, that's actually okay. Because in verses 33 through 42 of this psalm, after it tells these four stories that follow this nice process, we call out, God answers, we say thank you. These verses, some people call it a fifth story in this psalm. Some people say it's not really a story. It's just this kind of collection of unrelated ways in which God has acted in both judgment and discipline and deliverance among his people. And I love that section because it says sometimes our stories aren't that clear exactly how God is working. Sometimes we're in the midst of those storms, right? We're in the midst of feeling in prison. We're in the midst of crying out. When we look back, when we remember our lives, we do see ways in which God has acted. Sometimes it's really big ways, but sometimes it's small ways. And it's worth thinking about those small ways that God has acted in your life. Because what I'm hoping is that you will today sense, this is my story. This is the ways that God has acted in my life. Paul brings up the importance to me of the small things that we can remember in becoming a thankful people. He says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, most of us focus on the fact that in whatever we do, we should do it for Jesus. That's true. But notice, collected into that, those words is, in everything we do, we should be giving thanks to God. Because in every moment of your day, there are things that we often don't see that we can thank God for. Just little things that we sometimes take for granted. G.K. Chesterton, who was a writer in England in the early 20th century, to me shows how to live out this verse really well. This is what Chesterton says. You say grace before meals, by which he means thanks. You you say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. What was Chesterton saying? I recognize God is acting in my life in entertainment. God is acting in my life at work. God is acting in my life in hobbies. There are so many things in my life that I have to give thanks for that I don't even realize. A modern day expression of this came in an article I read the other day on 100 Remarkable Reasons to Give Thanks This Thanksgiving. I put the link in the bottom of the bulletin notes page for you. But I just wanted to pull out four different things they said to give you a sense of the things we have to give thanks for in our story as we remember the things God has done for us. Number one, if you survived your birth, thank God. 48, if you have running water in your home, thank God. Number 65, if you've ever had a friend unexpectedly meet a need, thank God. When I read that one, I had like six different experiences I realized I totally forgot about and took for granted in my life. Remember a time Debbie and I were like both sick and we were both in bed and we had like little kids, which is the worst time to both be sick and in bed. And we had people from our church come over, bring us movies, make food for us and take care of our kids. That's something to thank God for when you have his people in your life to do those sorts of things for you. Number 100, if you've ever brought fears, worries, anxieties, and sadness to Christ and been helped, thank God. So many 
little things in our lives, when we look back at our stories, that we can recall as a way to just thank God and become a more thankful people. Now, some of you, the struggle is knowing your story, knowing these things that God has done for you. Others of us, it's not that we don't know them, it's that we just forget them. I told you that this psalm is a lot like the book of Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, you come across a lot of uh, phrases like this. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We're constantly told, don't forget the things that God has done for you. The people of Israel were notorious for forgetting these things God had done. That's why God established these communal practices like the Passover celebration, so that at least once a year, you're going to remember how I rescued you from Egypt. And we have similar practices. If you were in the last discovery class, I think it was Bethany, but a number of different worship leaders shared a lot of different experiences we do on Sunday mornings and throughout the year in order to recall the things God has done for us. I mean, even in today's worship service, on a, each Sunday, we try to remember what are the things that God has done for us that we can give thanks for. We're about to enter into the Advent season where we're going to remember Christ's coming to give us hope for his return. We have communion once a month where it's done in order to remember Christ's death on our behalf for us. These are all communal things we do as ways of remembering what God has done. But I want to challenge you, in addition to coming to church, in addition to taking part in these communal practices, think of things you can do individually to remember the things God has done for you. One practice that I do that I find really helpful, most of us know what this is, it's that little notes app on your smartphone. If you don't have a smartphone, you probably know what a three by five card is, you can get one of those out. But when I heard about this, I started doing it, I just take a notes page and I, I entitled it Seeing God. And I just write in that page every time I see God at work, either in my life or in someone else's life. And when I come back to it, it gives me a chance to remember all the things I have to be thankful for. I oftentimes am struck by how when I go back to it, I have forgotten so many of these things. I think, how could I have forgotten that? How could I have forgotten that? Look for ways that you can recall over and over again the fact that God has acted in your life. So if we're going to become a thankful people, the first thing we want to do is we want to remember our story. The second thing we need to be doing is we need to repeatedly, repeatedly give thanks to God for our story. Why do I say repeatedly? Well, that first verse in Psalm 107, if you look at it, it's that call to give thanks to the Lord because of his love for you and because of the things he's done for you. That phrase repeats itself over and over again in that psalm. Five times that phrase is repeated for us. Give thanks to the Lord. He loves you. He acts in your life. That's what we're told to do over and over and over again. Now, how are we to do that, given the things that happen in our lives? That's hard. But it's something that we're called to. I mean, it's not just in this psalm. It's in other Thanksgiving psalms like Psalm 136. It's even in places like this in Ephesians. Paul is just a, it's just a throwaway line, it seems almost. But he says at the beginning of his letter, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
He writes that sort of thing to his church, to churches. Do you ever sense, I know I don't, this sense that like, I just can't stop thanking God for the things in my life, for the people in my life, for Grace Community Church. But that's the pattern we see. But how do we evidence that pattern in our lives when the first thing that comes to our life is the loss of friends? First thing that comes to our life is the devastation we heard about in the news. I mean, is God just being callous to the pain we go through when he tells us to give thanks when everything around us seems to be things that we're decidedly not thankful for? There's a few things I think to keep in mind when, when you think of God repeatedly calling you to give thanks when you look around and see so much pain and hurt in our world. The first thing to be mindful of is this isn't an either or sort of thing. It's not you either give thanks or you cry out to God. It's actually a both and experience. In each of the stories we read in Psalm 107, each of them contained people who both cried out to God and gave thanks to God. It wasn't that you have some Christians who are down and out calling out to God. Then you have the faithful Christians who thank him for all the good things. In reality, And across all the Psalms, you see in the same prayers, people who are both devastated, lamenting before God, being real, but being just as real and just as authentic in thanking God for the ways he's been faithful to them. You see this in the life of Jesus of all times, the night before he died. When he was sharing a meal with his disciples, what did he do? He gave thanks to his father. Not too long later, just that night, he's with his disciples in the garden thinking about what's coming the next day, his crucifixion. And he is crying out to God saying, if you're willing, take this cup from me. So when you hear God saying, give thanks to me, don't just hear that as this God who's saying, put up a stiff upper lip and give thanks. Don't think about all those things that are going wrong. He wants us to bring everything to him when we come to him in prayer. That includes the cries, that includes the thanks. Which brings me to the next thing I just want us to be keeping in mind when we, thinking about, when we think about becoming a thankful people in a world of so much pain and hurt, which is that giving thanks is in many ways a spiritual discipline. And like all disciplines, like all habits, we do them even during the times where we don't feel like doing them. How many of you, when you think about the discipline of eating well, the discipline of exercise. I shouldn't be bringing this up given what just happened over the last few days. But when you think about these habits, think about playing the piano, whatever, a lot of times we don't feel like doing them. Why do we do them? Because we sense that making it a habit is a good thing for us. Tim Keller, in his book, Walking with God in Pain and Suffering, very helpful book uh, for those of you who haven't read it. He talks about giving thanks being just as much of a discipline during times of pain and suffering as weeping, just as much a discipline as community and having someone to talk to. And he uses a verse to show us why. Um, Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. I always pass over that little with thanksgiving part. I think this is the most highlighted verse in the Bible. Uh, in like our apps, they did like a study of that. Probably because so many of us know what it means to have anxiety about things in our life. 
But Keller points out, we're told to give thanks before we know if God's going to answer that prayer. We usually think, oh, thank God, once he takes away the anxiety. But in this verse, Paul is saying, pray to God about it, but also give thanks during that time. Because when we pray, when we give thanks as part of our prayer, it shifts our thinking. It helps us see not just our struggle, but God's goodness amidst our struggle. Which brings me to just this one other thing I want to point out. When you consider how to become a thankful people and how to repeatedly thank God during really difficult times. And it's that giving thanks isn't just an obligation. Giving thanks is an opportunity. It's not just something we have to do. It's something we get to do. Look at verse 43 in Psalm 107, the final verse of what it says. In that final verse, it says this. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. What does that mean? It means after reflecting on all these stories of God acting in our life, And the importance of giving thanks, he's saying it is a wise thing to do. It's not just a good thing to do. It's not just earning brownie points with God to make sure we thank him. It's it's really wise way to live to give thanks repeatedly to God. Even modern psychology is beginning to see this. There's this new field of research called kind of gratitude studies. And there's a researcher named Robert Emmons from University of California, Davies, where he writes about gratitude and the positive impact it has on people's mental health. There's a book called Gratitude Works. And it's just interesting to see that the very thing the Bible is telling us to do, other people are realizing, and this is actually good for us, to give thanks. And I think what it's showing us is when God tells us to give thanks, he's actually scratching an itch that humans have. All of us humans, even in a dark world, have this part of us that recognizes at times that life is a gift. And we just want to thank someone for that. Andrew Peterson, a Christian songwriter, wrote this song that I love, my favorite song of his. It's called, Don't You Want to Thank Someone? And he writes about this human longing when we see beauty in the world to just thank someone for it. This is the lines of the song. Don't you ever wonder why, in spite of all that's wrong here, there's still so much that goes so right and beauty abounds. Don't you want to thank someone? Don't you want to thank someone for this? That part of us that just senses life is a gift and I want to thank someone. We can resonate with that. And by God telling us to give thanks, he's telling us to do something he made us to do which is a real difficulty when people who don't know God sense in themselves this longing to give thanks. I want to quote Chesterton again on this. He says this, The worst moment for an atheist is when he is really thankful and has no one to thank. He senses that longing. She senses that longing. Life is a gift. I want to thank someone. And if there's a gift that I'm experiencing, there must be a giver of that gift. But if there's not, what do I do with this longing? That's the longing that God gave us. And that's the longing that he asks us to do something about when he tells us to repeatedly thank him. So far from thinking of repeatedly giving thanks to God as something that this unsympathetic God who doesn't care about our struggles is telling us to do because he needs it. 
See giving thanks repeatedly as something a loving God is telling you to do because he made you for it. And he knows that there's a part of you that longs to do it. And it will be good for you. And you will be able to flourish more by doing it than by withholding it. Now, the worst thing that can happen is for all these ideas to sound really nice, but to just be something that's on paper, to sound like undoable, to sound like it doesn't still fit the real world when we're in the dark times. That's why I asked John Richter to come up and share a little bit of his story. John's going to share about what it looks like to give thanks in some of the hardest moments of a person's life. Uh, I was having breakfast with Dave a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me if I'd be willing uh, to share my story. Uh, Most of you know that my wife, Lois, went home. I said I wasn't going to do this. (laughs) About 22 months ago, well... I wasn't real thankful at that point. Uh, and as a Christian, I knew, you know, what God told us to be thankful in our circumstances. But if I was on, being honest with myself, I wasn't real thankful. I knew up here, but it wasn't here. It wasn't down in my heart. So uh, I went, started going to a, a grief share uh, it's a it's a 13 week program where people have uh, somebody has died in their life that they can go with other people, be with other people that have gone through the same experience, and be able to to share in that. And then they had a video, and they tell you know there's experts when telling you what to expect and how to to work through that. So. There, there was a, the pain of grief there, but then as uh, I went through these, and I, uh, one of the things they said, you know, you can be thankful for the, the years that you had together with that person. And that was true. We met when we were teenagers, and... Uh, we knew each other for 58 years, three quarters of a lifetime. And uh, I started to remember the things that we went through together. The, uh, the love that we had for each other as we grew and as God started to show me again what that was and and so I I, I I realized yes God you have given me many years that I could remember these things and also through this process I I could be thankful for my family for us being together and sharing in these things and I could be thankful for men, some of the men in the, from this congregation who sat down beside me and allowed me to express myself 
And to tell you the truth, that wasn't easy at times. But so I, I learned that, you know, I am thankful for certain things. I'm not thankful for the fact that I, that Lois is gone. I can't say she's lost. I lost her because I know where she's at. I know that she's with the Lord. And that uh, one day, I hope I will be with her, we'll be together with the Lord. And so, I've learned to be thankful in my heart. I, I've, the Lord took it from my head and put it in my heart, and I'm ever thankful for that. And it's not easy. There's at times when I struggle. And there's times that certain things come up, but you know I've I've learned to, to trust in, in in the Lord. You know, and you say, well, John, you've been a Christian for so many years. You're you're an elder. You should know these things. Hey, until you go through it, you, then God comes beside you and and starts to work in your heart. You you struggle, but now, thankfully. I can tell this story and know that uh, the Lord has given me that strength. Thank you, John. I think John's story is just an example of what it looks like to bring everything to God. As it says in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. And uh, I think it shows us that being called to give thanks to the Lord is something that God knows we need to do. Not just for his sake, not just because he needs it, but because he desires what's best for us. So, so far we've said to be a thankful people, we need to remember our story, repeatedly thank God for it. Then finally, we need to do what John just did, which was we need to tell our story. Why do I say that? Notice in verse 2, after calling us to give thanks to the Lord because of his love and actions, in verse 2 it says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Your translation may be, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell someone about it. Why should you tell someone about it? When you think about it, the more we're sharing stories with one another of God's actions in our lives, we have more things to thank him for. It makes us into a more thankful people when I'm not just thanking God for the ways he's been involved in my life, I'm giving thanks for the ways he's been involved in your life and your life and your life. When I was looking back at that notes page I was telling you about this week of the different things I remember God did in my life, it was interesting to see I had a few things listed that you guys had told me God had done in your lives. So I was able to thank God not just for what he's done in my, in my story, but in your story as well. Now, when should we be doing this? Well, at Grace, we've tried to give a number of different places that I hope you take advantage of to tell the story of God's actions in your life. We have an evening communion that we do on a quarterly basis where one of the points is to give a chance for people to share, this is what God's doing in my life right now. This is how he answered prayer. This is how he's been real to me. For some of us, telling our story is something we can do in life group. You know, we're not just in life group praying for one another's needs. We're also at various times saying, wow, God did that in your life. Thank God. That's great to hear. 
John talked about time just as getting together with another person for breakfast. We have a men's discipleship group. And part of what we do is in that group is you meet with one other guy each month. And you're talking about, among other things, what's God doing in your life? How has he been real to you? These are all ways that we can tell our stories and become a more thankful people because the number of things we have to be thankful for just grows and grows as we see God active in our church, in our individual lives. Now, some of you might say to this, I've had many people say this, I don't have that great of a story to tell. I don't have one of those cool Christian conversion stories. You know what I'm talking about when I say that. The story that, you know, no one wants to have had to live through, but everyone wants to tell it because it would just seem, you know, exciting to tell. Some of you are like, I don't have anything like that to tell. Whenever I think about that, I'm always struck by the story of the woman at the well. If you read in John chapter 4, in that story, she just has a conversation with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus, she immediately after that encounter goes, begin telling, goes and begins telling people of that encounter. And it says people start believing. She didn't have to have some amazing long story. It's just, I met Jesus. This is the impact he had in my life. And that might not sound like an exciting story, but I think it's part of, I'm going to use the language from this 1965 movie. I actually think it's part of the greatest story ever told. I don't recommend the movie. I don't think it's acted that well. But I love the title because it gets at the fact that the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the way he's still acting in his church is the greatest story any of us could ever tell. The book of Acts in the beginning it points back to Luke's gospel, his biography of Jesus. And it says all that Jesus began to do and teach, which means he's continuing to do and teach through his church, through you and I's stories. Those are the stories we want to tell. And it's the greatest story anyone could tell, regardless of how it is that you've encountered Jesus. What other story is greater than the story of a God who created everything and became human to be among people. What other story is greater than that God giving his life for people who walked away from him? What other story is better than a story of a God who wants to heal all past regrets, all past failures, and give us a new life? What other story is greater than a story that promises to John that he will see Lois again and that he will be able to live forever in her presence, in God's presence, in our presence. What other story says all that and is true at the same time? That's the story you and I have to tell. And when we tell that story, it helps this church to become a more thankful people, and it helps this world to become a more thankful place as more and more people join God's people as they hear the stories of Jesus' encounter with us. So, the world is a tough place. You and I know all too well all the many things that we're not thankful for at first. But I believe that this psalm is showing us if we would remember our story, if we would continually thank God for it repeatedly, and if we would tell these stories to one another and to the world, we can become a more thankful people, not just for our sake, but for the sake of so many who need to hear this story. Let's pray. Father, thank you. 
Thank you for the, the, the many ways that you act in our lives that go unnoticed by us. Make us more aware. Make us more vigilant to see your actions in our lives. Give us the courage. Give us an excitement to tell that story to one another. Not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to you. Open doors in the spheres of influence we have at work, at college, in our neighborhoods, at school, to be able to tell the story of our encounter with you. Make us a more thankful people and help us to bring everything to you, our cries, our pain, our desperation, and our thanks. Thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.